Welcome to Hymn Talk, a discussion of hymns, music, and singing in the life of the church. I'm Zach DePrima, and with me as always is my brother Alex. Alex, how are we doing? Doing well. Happy to be here. Well, Alex, it's not infrequent that I hear complaints that so many songs in the Christian world today are that are sung in churches, that they're, they're so man-centered. Hmm. And that might be in the sense that songs are sung in the first person too much, or perhaps they focus too much on the believer's experience of God rather than, than God himself. Mm-hmm. I want us to let Scripture frame our discussion a little bit on this subject. Uh, a text we go to when it comes to singing all the time is Colossians 3.16. There the Apostle Paul, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts, to God. Mm -hmm. And then I think of the Psalter, think of the 150 Psalms that we have in Scripture. Mm -hmm. If we think of Psalms that are in the first person singular, that is, I, me, Mm -hmm. think of Psalm 40, Psalm 42, Psalm 51, where David Mm -hmm. uh, confesses his sin to God. Uh, First person plural, you got Psalm 90, teach us to number our days, Mm -hmm. that we might gain a heart of wisdom, Psalm 105, bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, second person, we got Psalm 145 through 150. The Psalter uh, ends with all this uh, praise towards God, you, O Lord. Yes. And then you got uh, a lot of third-person content as well, thinking of Psalm 24, Psalm 16, various messianic psalms. So you kind of see all sorts of voices in the psalms. But I want us to talk about the church and, and the content that we sing and, and the, the, the act of singing in the life of the church is singing for God or for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So long preface to the, that question, is singing for God or for us? Well, the Bible would answer both. Uh, well, well, the Bible would say singing is for God and it is for us. Hmm. Uh, and and um, certainly worship is to be God-centered. Uh, it is worship of God. It's worship given to God. And like you just cited, I appreciate that rundown of, of many of those passages. Uh, many uh, passages of worship, they're very much directed to God himself as a means of praising, worshiping, honoring, adoring, glorifying God. And so, of course, worship is for God, not in that we uh, make him any more God or contribute to his person or something like that, but we give him the praise that he's due, and the Bible does teach we are able, we are given the capacity to glorify God, or give glory to God, or give service to God, or worship to God. And so, uh, yeah, certainly worship worship is for God. It's, it's all about him. All our lives are about him. Mm-hmm. What's the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the kind of second side of that is singing for us. Um, it's not for us in the sense that we're to worship ourselves, worship one another, praise one another. But if we mean, if, if I say singing is for us, if what I mean by that is it is for our edification, it's for our spiritual health, it's for our encouragement, it's for our well-being, it's for our sanctification, all those things are marvelously true. So in that sense, yes, singing is for us. And to justify that, I would go to the passage that you just read, where to... Uh, as Colossians 3.16 says, to, to, to teach one another and to admonish one another in all wisdom, or to sing to one another, Ephesians 5, I want to say 19 or 20, 
says a similar thing. Uh, so there's definitely a sense of which we're exhorting and admonishing and encouraging and teaching one another in our singing. And that sense, singing has a horizontal component. But then also, I would say, even in terms of, of, of our singing to God, um, God is not just glorified in me stating truths about him. God is glorified in my heart engaging with those mm-hmm. truths. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that thing that, that John Piper says a lot, God is most glorified in us. So God gets most glory from us mm-hmm. when we are most satisfied in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so God gets glory from me being delighted in this person yeah. and delighted by the truths that I'm singing. So is singing for me, is it for my pleasure and my delight? Yes, if I'm finding my delight and my satisfaction and my joy and my all in God himself. And so in that sense, my joy, my happiness, my spiritual health, my spiritual well-being is merged, as it were, with the glory of God and his exaltation and his praise. They become one and the same object. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think we're so quick to compartmentalize worship in the sense that there are people that are quick to, you know, sing praises of God and then they live their lives however they want to. But the Bible, Old Covenant nor New, uh, neither of those present the Christian life or the life that followers of God uh, in any way that divorces the two. Mm-hmm. I mean, God has always been seeking worship or worshipers that 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 uh, adorn him with both their life and their lips, yes, with their voice and their heart mm-hmm. and how that that's uh, played out in the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. So these things are they're all connected. and they definitely, when it comes to being delighting in God, how that impacts my relationship with other people oh, and encouraging yeah. them in all wisdom and instruction. Yeah, and and look, I, we, we can sing a song like Holy, 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 which is all centered on God mm-hmm. and His glory and His nature and His attributes. And we can walk away from that song ourselves saying, man, wasn't that so encouraging? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that so stimulating? Well, we're talking about its effect on us. Well, well what's effect? Hopefully, the effect of ascribing to God the praise that belongs to him. So both both things are, are taking place at the same time. So, so I want to ask you a pastoral question. You have that uh, brother or sister in your church that's saying, you know, say on a Sunday, we just sang, He will hold me fast and uh, all I have is Christ. Uh-huh. And both those songs are, are deeply personal. Mm-hmm. You know, when I fear my faith will fail, Christ uh-huh. will hold me fast. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, Father, I would be yours alone and live so all might see. Uh, deeply personal. Mm-hmm. And that brother say, I just feel this is inappropriate. That uh, A, this isn't, you know, cor- this isn't corporate at all. And it's so experience oriented. Is this appropriate for us to sing? Yeah. So how, would you, how would you commend and critique that impulse in that brother? Hmm. Okay, so just so I have the question clear, you're, you're saying so, someone is singing a song like He Will Hold Me Fast or All I Have Is Christ, first person singular, it's a lot about my experience and me and, mm-hmm. and all that, and, and someone says, I just don't feel this is enough about God. Mm-hmm. This is too much caught up in me and my problems and my life's too man-centered. Neither, and neither is it appropriate for the gathered people of God you. to to sing. So I would commend the impulse to wanting to be all caught up in God and who He is and not all caught up in myself and, and how I'm feeling at the moment. I, I get that. That's a commendable thing. Um, and I can understand, here's the thing I would definitely commend, 
if if by if if by the the the, the comment the 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 uh, hypothetical dilemma, the person is saying, well, y- you are legislating for the whole congregation a certain set of emotions that they have to have at that moment. Mm. Even though I may come in wanting to sing Heal Hold Me Fast, I don't know that my brother or sister does. Mm. And mm. therefore, as a corporate body, we should sh- sing things that we can all enter into. It's a, I, I get that, that uh, desire and would to some degree commend that. Here's my critique. God... God is not just glorified again by the statements of truth about him. He is glorified by the effect that truth has on our lives and hearts. He is glorified in the way we interact with the truth. So he's not just glorified by me saying, God, you are faithful and immutable and unchangeable. I mean, he's glorified by that. Mm-hmm. This is gloriously true of him. And for true souls that acknowledge that, that glorifies God. I think he's all the more glorified when I say, I have found security and safety in what that truth has meant to my heart and my life, that you are faithful and unchangeable and immutable. It means that you will hold me fast and that I will never fail. And that makes me happy. Mm. That makes me want to sing. That makes me feel safe. That draws my heart out and affection toward God. I think God is glorified in that. Uh, similarly you know it's it's like any human relationship I suppose in some ways my wife doesn't want me to just hear my wife does not just want to hear me ascribe this is good about you this is true of you she wants to know I love what's true of you Mm -hmm. I am delighted in what's true of you Mm -hmm. so it's not just you're a really good mom Mm -hmm. it's I love to see you on the floor with the kids, loving them, playing with them. It, it makes my heart safely trust in you and rest in you, and it just makes me happier. And, and I want to remind others of how great a mom you are. Yeah, 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 right. Pushing the illustration. Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm just saying God is glorified in, in the truth about who he is meeting mm-hmm. the experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's borne out all throughout Scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, so many of the psalms are are, are in the first person, mm-hmm. and a, 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 a document, a, a documentary, a, a documentation, a commentary on on how believers are working out the way in which the truth of God relates to their lives, and mm-hmm. how they will praise God and worship God in light of their experiences and and, and, and of who God is. And so we're very firmly yeah. within the purview of Scripture if we're singing songs that are in the first person yeah. that have to do with Christian experience, human well, experience. Yeah, I, I think I, I, would, I would quickly take that brother or sister to the Psalter. Uh, Psalm 23, I'm, the Lord is my shepherd, is my I shepherd. shall not want. What, what effect it? does the shepherding of God and the Lord himself have on my life? I don't want at all. I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. I'm led beside still waters and in green pastures. The effect of who God is is pressing in on me and making me feel certain things and I'm expressing that to him. Well, and just think of some of the experiences that David records. You got Psalm 40 uh, uh, speaking of being in the miry bog waiting for the Lord. You have Psalm 51 where he's confessing his sin that he committed with Bathsheba and Mm -hmm. and Uriah. Mm -hmm. And uh, He's bearing his soul. There's the most deepest introspective thoughts are in those Psalms that you can yes. find in Scripture. Yes. And what is the Psalter? The Psalter is the Bible's hymn book. Yeah. That 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 the it's the inspired word of God and it was appropriated for corporate worship. Yes. So it's just I mean, even if I'm not inclined 
you know, it, it's clear from Scripture that we should be singing these truths. And I think the Psalter teaches us also that there is a diversity of um, um, reasons for singing. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I would not say that the only thing we're doing in singing is ascribing praise to God. There, there are songs that are by their nature a lament. Mm-hmm. There can be songs of confession, mm-hmm. songs that celebrate assurance of pardon, songs that are more like prayers mm-hmm. and petitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's a, a vast array of, of purposes that that song has yeah. for our expressing ourselves to God. Just like prayer. In prayer, you have prayers of supplication, petition, thanksgiving, praise. I mean, there's all those different prayers. Yeah. And in our worship services, we do mm-hmm. prayers of praise, prayers of confession, pastoral prayers. There are, are there's room, there's a spectrum, there's diversity in terms of the types of songs I think the Bible would would commend and warrant. So we, we would encourage, you know, deeply personal songs uh, in, in our worship. But, but by way of counterpoint, I mean, there are some songs we've chosen not to sing as a church sure. that we have thought are, are, are too personal or too particular mm-hmm. or maybe even too man-centered. Uh, can you think of, of, of a way a song can be that? Yes. To focus on self. Yes. If, if I'm just sort of... Go ahead. And I, I'm not saying in a way that's ungodly. Yeah. Uh, as in just that expression is too selfish. What yeah. I'm saying is, is, is inappropriate for gathered worship. Yeah, it's a tough question to answer. And it's not like... like um, I'm, I'm not like ready with a, a fine and fresh definition or something like that. So I, I would just say that there are ways in which we can sing um, about our own experiences that are more just, you know, exalting our own experiences over the objective truth of God. We're not singing about how our hearts and our lives and our experiences and our feelings ought to conform to the truth of God's Word. And so again, I just think the Scriptures, they're kind of our guiding light on this. If, if I can say this song matches with something I'm called in God's Word to sing, well then it's safe to sing. But if, if, if it's you know just so highly subjective and, and really my feelings are becoming the interpreter or the rubric through which God's truth is is being vetted and understood or whatever, then then we've crossed over into a place we don't want to go. But if we're singing about how God's truth of its own authority speaks into my life and conforms my life, well, there's more safety in that. Hmm. You know? Well, Alex, I want us to move to the hymn of the week. Our hymn of the week this week is For All the Saints. For All the Saints was written by William Walsham Howe in 1864, and Howe lived from 1823 to 1897, and he was ordained into the Church of England in 1847, uh, where he eventually became a bishop in 1879. Now, Howe wrote extensively, including a commentary on the four Gospels. Um, Many of our readers might be familiar with with Ryle's um, expository thoughts on the Gospels. It was very popular for bishops and and parishioners to write commentaries on the Gospels then. Uh, But he's remembered for his work also in connection with the poor and industrial workers of his parishes. Also, he's remembered for being an agent agent for infusing new spiritual life into the Church of England in the 19th century. And uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, he, he would have been a contemporary of Bishop Ryle. But perhaps Howe's greatest contribution to the church is his roughly 50 hymns that he wrote in the course of his life, not least of which is the hymn For All the Saints, one of our favorites. For All the Saints is a hymn that exalts Christ as head of the church. 
and it beautifully marries both horizontal and vertical elements. You know, mm-hmm. we've just been discussing how singing should be both vertical, that is directed towards God, and horizontal, horizontal in the sense that it's encouraging and teaching one another. Mm-hmm. The hymn looks back at God's faithfulness to uh, saints of old, uh, former saints, former generations, and it also celebrates the blessed communion saints currently experience with the Lord. And it triumphantly looks ahead to Christ's glorious re- return in the new age. Hmm. Uh, it, it's loosely uh, connected to the text in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, mm-hmm. the founder and perfecter of our faith. One just note around the hymn, uh, the preferred tune of this hymn is Sin Nomine, which is by uh, Ralph Vaughan Williams, a great 20th century writer. Can I, can, can I be obnoxious for a minute? Yeah. You should not be singing this to any other tune. That, that's just <laughs> the greatest. No, they, they sing that, that tune in Westminster Abbey. They sing it at, at royal weddings and events. It's just one of those anthem-type tunes that's so good and can be done, I think, on piano, guitar, lots of different you know, sort of settings and all that. I mean, it's such a good tune. It's, it's, and it's certainly my preferred tune. Uh, another tune that some people favor, and I don't knock them, is uh, Indelible Grace has a, has a good tune for it as well. Uh, in my mind, I wouldn't mess with perfection, but if you like the Indelible <laughs> Grace to, uh, grace tune, there's grace for you. Well, and, and let me, again, just be a little more obnoxious. Uh, Ralph Vaughn Williams, uh, for any who didn't know, is, is one of the greatest composers in British history. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this was, I think, one of his one of his finest works in terms of his sacred sacred music, but um, he's just he's just world renowned as one of those legendary composers. If you've never heard the Lark Ascending mm. by Ralph Williams, mm-hmm. so good, one of my favorite pieces of all time, and uh, and that's the guy who wrote. Do you happen to know if Williams was an evangelical? Uh, he attended church. He wrote music in church. I don't know if he was truly born again. Uh, another fun fact about Ralph Williams is I think it was his great uncle was Charles Darwin. Oh, okay. And he recalls conversations with his mother about, well, is is Uncle Charles, um, hmm. can he go to heaven or not, and things like that. But I actually don't know enough about about Williams to know if he was if he was truly converted. Or, yeah. Alex, what do you like about For All the Saints? Well, just what you said. It, it does have vertical and horizontal elements. God is praised by the words of this song. Um, big view of God big view of his glory. There's eschatological scenes and heavenly scenes, and there's there's a sense of God's works throughout history and how he's helped his people and helped his church. And it's very, so that's, that's vertical for horizontal. It's inspiring mm-hmm. as a Christian because you're singing about the, the faithful soldiers who have gone before and the saints who have gone before, and may we in our day experience the help of God, and may we triumph as well by his grace. And so it, it's very stirring in that sense as well. So vertical glory to God, horizontal comfort and help and, and, and courage for believers. Yeah, yeah I, I would uh, second all of that. I, I find this hymn to be a particularly stirring um, song, opening song of praise. Uh, our congregation responds very well to it. Uh, I would encourage the worship leaders, if, if there are any that are listening to this, this is a song that can be done uh, on guitar. It's typically done with organ or piano, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a way you can uh, maintain the same meter of the traditional version with guitar, and our congregation has responded well to that. Mm-hmm. Alex, what are some, some one or two of your favorite lines in this song? I like every single line. You know, We talked about this, I think, when we first decided to introduce this song. Do we sing six verses? 
When are we doing? We sing five verses. Okay, I remember yeah. talking about whether or not we should do less, and it was just like, no, we can't. I mean, that's yeah. just not an option because yeah. they're all, you know, so rich. Um, I very much like the third verse. Oh, may thy soldiers, faithful, true, and bold, fight mm-hmm. as the saints who nobly fought of old, and win with them the victor's crown of gold. Mm-hmm. That's just so well written. I find it so inspiring. Um, and and it again, it... it, it it's taking in view what God has done and keeping his saints faithful in ages past, and we're drawing inspiration from that. It's so Hebrews. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's so um, uh, uh, faithful, I think, to sentiments we see in various yeah. passages in the Bible. I think the Christology of this hymn is glorious. Mm-hmm. Right? To, to think of uh, just the triumph of Christ mm-hmm. uh, in the past, in his faithfulness to saints, but certainly what's to come. Yeah, the triumph of Christ and then our triumph with him. Mm-hmm. You know, the saints rise mm-hmm. triumphant, it mm-hmm. says, I think, in one of the verses. And so, yeah. um, in, a wor- yeah. in, wor- in a world where we are so appropriately drawn to the tenderness of Christ, uh, him as our shepherd, mm-hmm. as our guide, as our keeper. Um, I think for him that presents Christ in, in glorious victory yeah. uh, in yeah. his escal- eschatological return, all of these things, yeah. and being our rock, our fortress, and our might yeah. uh, is perhaps an underdeveloped thing in hymnody. Maybe well, not hymnody, but the hymns that we're, we typically sing in our age. Yeah, and I, I, I've been in um, settings with hundreds of people singing this hymn before, and it has, again, especially that, that the, the sine nomine tune that Ralph on Williams wrote, it does have the feel of an anthem mm-hmm. and a procession. Mm-hmm. And I just imagine Christ at the head of this great procession mm-hmm. of saints and, and the, the whole triumph of it all, the pomp of it all. It really is, I think, quite exhilarating. Yeah, I think the verse, uh, it's one of the last verses, but lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day. The saints triumphant rise in bright array. The king of glory passes on his way. Alleluia. Uh, we can never sing that hymn in our church without repeating that line. The yeah. King of Glory yeah. passes on His way. Well, and, and I'm thankful. You know, this was uh, no one. Uh, I, I don't hear many churches sing this. It mm. sort of kind of felt. I sung it as a kid in the mm. church I grew up in. We, we the church we grew up in, and um, it sort of disappeared for a long time. And and then we started singing it again. I haven't heard it sung at conferences or other churches. And it was new to to ninety percent of the people in our church. Ninety five percent of the people in our church. And yet it's now one of the most frequently requested songs. I mean, mm-hmm. people are always asking to sing this song. Mm-hmm. Um, the congregation just belts it out. Mm. So, so encouraging. Well, friends, we, we commend this hymn to you, uh, but for now we're out of time. Uh, and, and we commend Ralph on Williams' great <laughs> 15 to 20 minute masterpiece, The Lark Ascending. Check it out. You won't regret it. <laughs> Alex, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you.